Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. Another week with two podcasts. As uh, Berg and I here, I'm joined, as always, on the basketball side by Justin Berg. Berg and I are going to get into a little hoops. Uh, Got a lot to talk about. But first, remember, join us Saturday night, Taft's Brewporium. I don't know if it's the final football watch party. I'm sure, you know, depending on the bowl situation, we might be back there as well. Maybe uh, AAC championship game, we'll figure it out. But for the regular regular season, it's the final watch party for Bearcat Journal at Taft's Brewporium, hosted by Bearcat Journal and the Den Tailgate. So make sure you get there. And uh, th- this is uh, this is this is new, Berg. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay something on him. I've got a bag of goodies to give out to people. Would those happen to have any Bearcat Journal logos of some sort? or No, no, oh. no. Candy from Halloween left over? No, you got you to gotta, you gotta be at the, the watch party. You got to come find okay. me, and I'll dip into the bag of goodies and see what I can get you. So that I'll, I'll put that out there now. If you're at the watch party, if you go to the watch party, come find me. And uh, while supplies last, I'll dip into the bag of goodies and, uh, and pull you out a goodie. Uh, and you would you'll be very happy with it, very very happy with it. That's all I can tell you. It's a surprise. But uh, join us, like I said, Saturday night. The game will be on uh, at 8 p.m. ABC prime time. It's the big game. It's college game day. It is uh, probably the biggest game for UC football since uh, the 2009 game at Pitt. So uh, you're going to want to be there. We we've had great crowds the past couple weeks. Uh, we had one week where we set the record for the busiest day in the history of Taft's Brewporium. Let's break that Saturday night. Everybody get there. Everybody uh, be ready to uh, to cheer on the Bearcats. And uh, I will be there. And uh, Dave Simone will not be there because he's superstitious. And when he watches games uh, outside of the comfort of his home, when he watches road games away from home, UC loses. So I told him to stay at home. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's. I mean, this is a gigantic game, so you got to pull out all the stops and, and all the superstitions if you're a Bearcat fan. Yeah, absolutely. So Berg, we uh we haven't we haven't talked since the season opener. We've talked, but we haven't talked on the air since the season opener. Um, I don't really want to talk about that game anymore. It was over a week, well over a week ago. It's in the past. Uh, the Bearcats stumbled, did not uh, play well in the first half. They lost to Ohio State. Um, but they rebounded. They bounced back on Tuesday night, beat a pretty solid NC Central team that was uh, in the tournament last year, had three guys on the team, voted all league. Um, coming into this season, their preseason uh, league awards, of one first team and, and two second team guys. And Cincinnati played really well offensively. They shared the ball. Um, they made shots. It looked exactly the opposite of what they look like on uh, opening night. Uh, yes, you expect that uh, with the drop in competition level. Um, but, uh, Berg, you had to be encouraged that, that they played well. Keith Williams stepped into the starting lineup, had a big night, and uh, Justin Jennifer played well. And, and overall, it was, a, uh, it was a good Tuesday night for the Bearcats. It was, but also, like you said, it was somewhat expected. When, whenever Cincinnati loses a game, the following game, they're going to come out and really ratchet up the defensive intensity and that's what they did. They, they right from the jump, they were just, uh, you know, picking up full court. They were in people's faces. They were trying to, to, 
you know, force the, uh, the tempo a little bit. And, and they did. And, and Keith Williams was a big part of that. He was in the starting lineup, six foot five sophomore, his first ever start. And, all over the place did everything you could really ask for uh, from the youngster. I mean, he was it, 10 deflections led the team. That's probably the stat that uh, coaching staff's going to get their jollies off of the most. Yep. But um, you know, the seven for 12 from the field, a variety of different uh, buckets from him. And um, I think though also the leadership that Justin Jennifer showed by showing up early before shoot around and working on his game. And, you know, he was four for five and the only miss was a rim out. So his shot was on point and the six assists, no turnovers. So um, a lot of encouraging things. And, um, but again, like you said, I mean, it's, I mean, you would expect that. And, and um, it's, it's hard to know this early in the season what's going on, but if, as long as they, um, they do the things that they have to do, at least put themselves in, in position and, and, and start being uh, consistent in those areas that the coaching staff always asks for, then, um, you know, it's, it's a positive, but uh, still don't really know a whole lot. Um, even after that game. No, I mean, what we do know is is this is going to take some time. We've talked about this. <clears throat> we knew going into the opener <clears throat> that if Jaron Cumberland wasn't exceptional for 40 minutes, Ohio State was going to be a challenge, just more so than anything, because when you're putting all these new faces in new places or when you're increasing – a guy from 12 minutes a game to 20 plus minutes a game, there's, there's an adjustment period. And that adjustment period didn't have time to really manifest itself because week one or day one was against Ohio state. And I don't think there's, there's any denying they didn't play well. So it was good to see, even though, like you said, they've been very good over the years, bouncing back after a loss to see this group kind of come together like that. And it, it wasn't a game where Jaron Cumberland carried him. And I think that was important um, because I, I think that would have set a tone that, you know, we're going to only go as far as he takes us. Uh, so I, I thought it was important. Trey Scott went six for six. Justin Jennifer, four for five, like you said. <clears throat> I thought it was important for them to kind of set that tone of other guys are going to, you know, start taking on increased roles. And, and we saw them, you know, fulfill that prophecy on Tuesday night. Right. Yeah, that you're right. The, the the Cumberland thing is is the most important, most noteworthy takeaway I would think from that game. Because after the first game, after Ohio State, it looked like man, this guy's gonna have to average forty or forty five a game. Uh, he's getting you know no help on the offensive end because he he didn't play in the first half and they were completely lost trying to get points. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, this season, as we said before, it even started was just you're gonna see a lot of this ups and downs. And I would imagine that the Ohio State loss, there's going to be, you know, quite a few more of those, I would think, that where they, they'll lose or they don't play well and they'll have to bounce back. And that's just what they do. You know, they, they, it's like they have to reinstill into the players again and again, um, you know, what it is that they need to do to win games. And, and when you have a new team and guys in new roles, you have to relearn that. Um, I think the thing that was that was cool was, uh, I believe it was Trayvon, uh, saying that, uh, you know, the players kind of took it amongst themselves to talk it over and, and um, you know, and, and try to figure out what they did wrong and what they need to do to win. And um, I know, you know, Cronin's talked about that before. He doesn't always have to be the guy who's yelling and saying, do this, do this, do this. He needs his players to take some um, accountability. And it sounds like that's what they did. And 
they came out and yeah, it was fun. They shared the ball and um, saw a lot of, you know, the first four buckets were by four different players and, you know, it just was, um, you know, defensively they were, you know, they were protecting the rim, blocking shots, um, getting in passing lanes and, um, you know, just disrupting really what NC central was trying to do. And I believe they had 73 points and 60 possessions. So you'll take that points per possession, um, any night pretty much, uh, from the Bearcats. Absolutely. Um, you've got a little game you want to play with me. So we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do, I'd like to remind you, this is the time to get some Trace Poundhouse coffee. They sell freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans they ship to you has the roast date clearly printed on it so you know your coffee is absolutely fresh. You can find out about Trace Poundhouse coffee in two easy ways. Actually, just one easy way. This is how I want you to do it. You go to their website. You type in www.tracepontas.com slash coffee. T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. All coffee orders are roasted fresh for you and shipped out immediately. Uh, they offer 12-ounce bags of both whole bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roast. They also now offer K-Cups. So when you go to the website, www.tracepontas.com slash coffee, you sign up for a coffee subscription and get freshly roasted beans sent to you every one, two, or four weeks. That's your choice. When you sign up for a subscription, you go to the checkout and you enter Bearcats at checkout under the promo code. You'll get 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription with this code. Just enter it at checkout. 20% off is automatic. Free shipping. Coffee comes to you. I know we've got a couple members that are really, really enjoying their Trace Pountas coffee. You should be next in line. Sign up today and get fresh roasted coffee delivered directly to your door. Berg, you have a game you would like to play. Let's play. Right. It's uh, it's a part game, part discussion, but um, I'm going to call it uh, real or not real. And we're going to go through five different things that um, have either happened so far. It's only been two games. Um, whether it's a, a, a potential trend, um, a statistic, or something a certain player has done or hasn't done. And we wanted to decide, uh, maybe conjecture a little bit on whether we feel like it's going to last or maybe it's just an anomaly. Okay? Okay. So <clears throat> the first one would be, um, as we saw the other night, Trayvon Scott, his jump shot can provide desperately needed floor spacing. Now, this is something before the season that, um, you know, the, the bigs don't shoot from the outside, and we felt like that's going to clog some stuff up. But what Trayvon showed against NC Central was that he's got a really nice touch on that J. So is that something that's real or not real? That's real. Uh, I've seen that throughout the entirety of uh, since they got back to school. He was he was working on it very hard over the summer. Um, I, I, I think – he was still at a point where the shot was okay, but he was building confidence in pulling the trigger on it. And, and even in the NC Central game, there was once where he kind of hesitated and then he shot it and it still went in, so it didn't end up burning him. But he's got to continue to build that confidence because he has really soft touch, 15 to 17 feet, especially, and I think we're going to see this a lot, Justin, working the middle of a 2-3 zone. I was just going to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I, he's going to be in the middle of that offense uh, as they're playing against zone defenses. 
And if he can knock down that shot with his ability to pass, that means the big guy has to come up and guard him. And then all of a sudden the door is open for passing opportunities, guys in the short corner. Um, that's going to be big from him. And I think that is something that's here to stay that we can expect from Trey. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think the same thing. I mean, it's, uh, the only the only caveat would be that it's only been a couple games, but but I th- I really like where you're going with that that uh, high post in the in the middle of the zone because I feel like that was one of my main worries coming into the season was that a lot of the opponents would opt to play a zone and just force UC to shoot outside shots. But if 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 Trayvon can uh, discourage you know opposing coaches from doing so much of that, then you know I think the Bearcats are always going to be more dangerous in a, uh, in a man to man situation, especially for, um, you know, that, that gives, uh, Jaron Cumberland the opportunity to, uh, you know, do what he can do and just, you know, different, different matchups they can exploit. So, um, I think that's, yeah, I mean, I'm leaning towards real. Um, but again, it's only been two games, so it's, it's, it's hard to really know, but I think you're, uh, I think you're onto something with the zone stuff. So well, uh, the reason, so, the yeah. reason I say real is because the touch on that shot is real. He has right. good touch from there. The confidence to continue taking that shot when he's open is what needs to continue to increase, and that hopefully got a big boost on Tuesday night. That Trey, we need your offense, and we need you to be able to bang in that shot. And he's actually shown a, a much improved stroke from three as well. I don't want you. I don't think you want him shooting a lot of them. But remember, as Gary started to come on um, as a threat offensively, and not just as a back to the basket scorer. He was taking smart ones. He was taking ones where he was in rhythm and wide open. I think as Trey continues to build confidence, I think he can do some of that as well. Probably not at like the 50% clip Gary shot as a, as a senior, but spacing is the big thing, and you're going to need him to have that ability. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think in the Ohio State game, he made one three, and I believe – I know one of the other ones was right online. It was just a touch strong. And um, if you if you read through my inside the film room, there was a play where he was he he, was, he probably should have been in the corner to provide. And if he's going to hit that shot, he can set up in the corner in certain actions, especially if you're doing like a one five ball screen or a three five or whatever you end up doing. And that'll help to spread the floor and just provide more room for the the dribbler off that screen. So that's just something to monitor. But I think like. It, it really will open up a ton of stuff if, if that is real. So I think we're both leaning towards real on uh, Trayvon Scott's jump shot, providing the uh, floor spacing. Yes. Okay. So number two, it's early, of course, as we've said, but through two games, uh, Cincinnati ranks 312th in three-point defense. They ranked seventh last year. Now, again, it is early. Ohio State shot eight for 20. That's 40%. Um that the personnel was so much different than last season. There was uh, just so much more switchability um, in, in a lot of positions. And I know that obviously the coaching staff has been messing around with like different lineups and trying to figure out, but um, you know, this is something that is, is, is I guess the, the question would be, is there, is there, is the concern that three point defense will drop significantly this year? Is that real or not real? Um, I mean, it's going to drop from seventh in the country. <laughs> I mean, yeah, significantly, I guess, was that's why I said that word. Um, I think they'll get better uh, as the season goes on just because of the length and athleticism of this team. Uh, as they continue to master the rotations of Mick Cronin's defense, I think that's the hardest part that 
that that people don't understand is you know mixed defense is very complex, especially when they're in that that hybrid man to man matchup zone. Who rotates where? Who's got what responsibility? Um, I think you'll see that increase because they have the size and the length and the athleticism to, to be quality at, at guarding that that situation. Um, but right now, you know, it, it hasn't been great. And I, I will also say to that ranking, Ohio State hit a lot of one-on-one, hand-in-the-face, contested, tough three-point jump shots, shots that you want them to take. Like, they weren't just stepping in and ripping wide-open threes. Um, I saw some of that in the second half against NC Central, where the defense got a little bit lax because they were up by 25, 30 points, and NC Central was getting, you know, step-in rhythm looks. Um, but I have I didn't see a lot of that in the Ohio State game, and I don't expect to see much of that, you know, as this defense gets up to speed, um, and and even more so now with uh, with Keith Williams inserted into the starting lineup, if that is a long-term thing. Um, his length and athleticism, you know, Justin Jennifer – Guys can kind of shoot over, and, and when you had Justin and Kane in there at the same time, uh, I think that's where some of your you know concerns for three point defense come in. Uh, but Mick has kind of indicated, uh, at least for now, uh, we'll see a lot of Jennifer with Logan Johnson, who's long and athletic, and then Keith Williams with Justin Jennifer uh, to give them somebody that that is a little bit better at filling that that position. Uh, defensively on the perimeter. So um, I expect it to be much better than 300, whatever it is right now, but I I don't expect it to be seven, let's say. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. One thing I will also say, what you have to consider when you go back and look at last year, a lot of the teams they played were poor three-point shooting teams. That's true. You know, they they got uh, maybe a little bit of an inflated boost uh, from playing teams that didn't shoot it very well. With this season's out-of-conference slate, I think that's going to be uh, a more of a challenge. You're going to be facing more teams that have the ability to bang them in. Yeah, I think you're, you're – I mean, even even tomorrow night with um, with Milwaukee, they have multiple guys that can do it. And then, you know, you look down the road against a George Mason or potentially even an MKU, which usually has guys who can shoot. So just – it's something. It's something to, to be. I think it's a real concern just because of the fact that that you know we're not sure yet. Cincinnati's offense, you know, as far as who's going to give you what, and so you run into a team who's who gets hot from the three point line. And you know, last year there were there were times that happened, and um, you know the Bearcats could 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 match some of those. Um, you can think of a couple games like the Tulsa game on Senior Day is one that's popping in my mind right now. But there was a few others, and I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case this season. So. I, I think it's a real concern for me. Not that it's – I don't think they're going to end up 312th, but it's just something that, um, you know, that can be a big equalizer because, like, just mathematically, I don't, I don't see a lot of three-point shooters on, on UC's team. So just something, to, just something to monitor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely something to monitor because, as we've mentioned, if this team is going to have struggles on offense, you can't let teams shoot 35 36% from three. Like, that, you're going to get beat. Or 43, like right now. Right. I mean, even as it settles, like you're going to have to do better than a lot better than what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, all right. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. 
Um, and the third, the third uh, real or not real subject here, you just you just alluded to it um, during the last segment. But um, so uh, real or not real, Keith Williams is a better fit for the starting lineup. Real, at least if he can be consistent. I think that's the ultimate question with Keith Williams uh, at this point in his career. Uh, is he ready to night out, night in and night out, be a guy that can get 8, 10, 12, you know, 15 points like he did the other night? I don't think you need 15 all the time. Um, but you can't – if he's going to be inserted, what he can't be is 15 one night to the next, then 12, then 4. Um, that's not going to work. And that would make me say not real. But if he's, you know, and, and you expect, because this is an increased role for him, that there are going to be a little bit of inconsistencies here as we go through these first three or four weeks. But by the time you get into the, the heart of the schedule in early December, he needs to be a guy that's, that's showing some consistency in that 8 to 12 point range and, and being a factor on the offensive glass and, and being able to execute the things that Mick Cronin is asking him to execute. Um, I think he has that in him. I think he can do that. You know I was uh, very, very high on Keith Williams through the recruiting process. And, you know, it, it's time for him to to take that next step. And, and it's a big step because unlike, you know, I, and I've talked about this in a couple different places lately, the the reliance in Mick Cronin's system is is one guy in every class becomes a go-to guy. So you had Troy, and then you had Gary, and then you had Jake, and then you had Jaron. And in that, what's now the sophomore class, it wasn't really their fault, but nobody really stepped up to be that next guy last year, in part because those four guys that I mentioned in Kyle Washington played the minutes. But now there's minutes available, and the door is open for Keith Williams after playing well in his first start to make that leap. And they need him desperately to make that leap you know what i mean desperately. yeah well they didn't yeah they didn't yeah i mean it's just it, he's gonna it's a year early i mean i think they 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 figured that you know jacob i mean long term they i don't know if they really saw him leaving they thought i'm sure they thought it was a possibility but until it became a reality it was like all right now that now that he's gone someone needs to do it and you know keith and i think as far as better fit is is the way that i phrased it and i think from what from what mick said after the game on Tuesday that for Keith in his mind and his comfort level, it is a better fit for him. And of course, if he's going to score 15 points, then, um, you know, that's one thing, but I think the, the disruptive defense that he played and the, the offensive glass crashing and the, the block shots and just using, just using his, his size, his length and his athleticism is something that the starting lineup doesn't have a lot of on the wing or really any, I mean, let's, yeah, Jaron Jaron Cumberland is a is a Tank. incredible player, but he's just not he's not a vertical type of player, and um, you know so his his strength is not his length and athleticism, whereas Keith's is, and uh, so of course um, also like they said, looking at the numbers and looking at Canada on the sample, it's a small sample size, but they felt like they, it's just too hard to have Kane, uh, Justin, and. Uh, Jaron in that starting lineup and so if, if Justin's going to be in that starting lineup then 
you know, Keith is, is, is almost, it's like a necessity to have him out there. So as long as he does all the, all the other stuff with the defense and the rebounding and everything, if he doesn't score 15 points and he scores five to seven, but he does a ton of other stuff and Jaron scores 20 instead of 10, then it, you know, it can still work overall for the team. So, um, I, I mean, it, it does. I mean, I, I hadn't considered that after the first game to say, oh, why don't they put Keith in there? I just I did not occur to me one bit. Where were you on that? Was that was that even on your radar? Not really. No. Um, huh. But it made like when Mick explained it in the post game, it made sense when you have Justin and Kane and Jaron on the ball to get on, on the floor together. There's not a lot of athleticism. There just isn't. And, you know, from what I've heard, they, they, they've had a bunch of staff meetings over the past week. And, and, and now that they've got some things on tape and they've got some analytics to look at, um, they, they decided that that was the move. And through one game, it has worked wonderfully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder who it was that pitched that. Unless, unless Mick came up with it on his own, but if somebody pitched it to him, and then Keith did that. Whoever pitched it to him's feeling pretty good. Yeah. You you earned your paycheck this week. <laughs> yeah. So um and and playing off of that, uh, for the number four, um, I guess uh real or not real here would be would be all right, so Justin Jennifer on Tuesday, he produced points, not just his own, but he had six assists, no turnovers. So with his ten points he scored and the six assists, um, you're looking at about 22 to 25 points. Um, not to mention he got you 10 steals. Um, so he was a he was a major net positive uh, the other night. And um, you know that's not something he's been asked to do in his previous three years at Cincinnati. But I think this year, I mean, there's no doubt that he's going to have to bring something to the table, especially if he's going to start and play 25 to 30 minutes. Um, he he. Didn't do much in the first game in that regard, but in the second game he did. So is that real or not real? I don't know yet because I need to see it against high major competition. Exactly. Um, Doing it against NC Central doesn't do a lot for me um, in the grand scheme of things. So, I mean, I guess if I'm picking one, I would go not real for the moment. But this, that's not to say that it's not going to happen. I just have to see it happen. And he did not play well against Ohio State. And that's the one high-level opponent that we've seen. So that's what I have to go on for that. Now, right. if they're going to win these games in December, it has to happen. Or else they're going to be 7-5, and 8-4 and four heading into the conference. And that's going to be a bad deal um i want to see him take that step in those games but we got to see it he's got to show it against the big time teams and the big time games that he can knock down the open shot that he can get into the lane and and create a defensive reaction so that he can make plays i i just you know me i'm a i'm a believe it when i see it guy far more often than not (laughs) <laughs> yep. And I haven't seen it. So when I see it, then I'm on board. And I, I think it could happen. I think it's, it's you know, the potential is in there. I think he has come a long way than I ever, farther than I ever expected him to come. But he's got to be that guy that we saw last night in the bigger games. 
Right. He's going to have to. He has to be a combination of of smart and aggressive. It, it's it's a fine line. It's it's it's. I, I I mean I can't even imagine if you're if you come out if you come into college and you're just so so aggressive of a player, and all of a sudden you're like no 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 no. We need you to just be smart. But now it's like all right now you got to be smart and aggressive. So the other night I mean he he took the shots that were there. He pump faked. He dri- he dribbled into a shot. He got into the paint a little more. Um, I think one of one of the things that was uh, we would like to have seen more in the first game was was forcing the issue a little bit and trying to get into the paint more um, from Jennifer, but he wasn't able to do it. And it, it's it's hard to to um, to get a lot a uh, lot of open looks and things and, and easier baskets for your teammates if you're not getting into the paint. And he knows that, um, but some of that would come with with just you know, forcing the issue a little bit when you get an outlet pass and things like that. But, you know, so, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if it's real or not real. You would sample size is so small. It's, it's hard to say, but, um, you know, it, it certainly looked good and it was nice to see. And, you know, he'll have another opportunity on Friday and then Monday. And then when they go down to Florida, they'll play a little bit better competition. And that's where you'll get a chance to see like, all right, is it real or not real? So, well, I, I, um, I, I will say this. I know, he was challenged as well after the Ohio State game that if you don't play better, there's a kid behind you that's pushing hard. And yep. he responded, extra practice, getting in two hours before uh, shoot-around, and and definitely showed the focus of you know what you would want from a, a senior point guard that that's fighting for, you know, his job and in the last year of his college career, he responded, let's, let's see that continue. Yeah. And because like you said, there's a, there's a kid that uh, he is, he's pretty much demanding that he's going to need to play um, as many or more minutes consistently than what he's gotten to the first two games and, and Logan Johnson and, and maybe we'll get to him later, but the, the fifth, fifth one here that I have would be Trevor Moore's shooting woes. All right, so now Trevor Moore this year is 0 for 4 from 3. And I don't know if you could say that any of them have even been close to going in. He shot 32% as a freshman, and that you can a lot of that could be that he just didn't get very consistent minutes or, or looks. It's hard to get in any kind of a rhythm, especially if you're if you're a uh, shooting marksman, you know, usually rhythm is a thing that that goes into that. But um Thirty-two percent as a freshman. He did have four in a game against UConn, but he was only twenty-nine in conference play. And according to Ken Palm, he was seventeen percent versus the tier A and B teams, which is basically the best competition that UC plays throughout a season. So, um, Trevor Moore's shooting woes are those real or not real? They're real. I mean, you just read the stats, right? Well, okay. Let me let me rephrase that. Trevor Moore's shooting. Um, at this level, is there any concern that just he's, you know, it, it's, I know it's early on in his career, but that um, how much concern is there moving forward with, with the fact that he hasn't really made shots yet? A lot of concern. That's what he was brought here to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the defense is, has been an added bonus, but it, I love his toughness. I love his intensity. I love the passion he plays with, but you're a shooter. You got to make shots. And, it's one thing if we're talking about he's had a bunch of shots go in and out. Like you said, he hasn't really been close. I mean, it's a concern because that's 
that's one of the guys we talked about that that was going to hopefully space the floor for them this year to come in off the bench, bang in some, you know, get, you know, two, three threes uh, in a quick spurt and and spark your offense and, and maybe get you out of a rut when you're, you know, not shooting well or you're having an off night. Right now, he, he is not showing that ability. And that is uh, a serious concern because, like I said, that's, that's what he was recruited for. You know, it's like if you recruit a running back that's got great speed, but he can't get past the line of scrimmage. Right. And what good is what good does that running back do if he can't get in the open field? You, you the great the, the speed is awesome, but if you can't use it, what good? You know, he's got a he's got a great shot. He's got great form. But he's not making shots and he's missing that miss the first miss in the the NC Central game. Airball from the from the corner. That you got to be able to bang that you got to be able to hit a wide open 3 from the corner. In a game well, like was, that, like it, yeah, it it was pretty much the same shot he had at the end of the Ohio State game, right? Um, a little bit. The Ohio State one was a little bit more, a little up on the wing, a little bit more. Right, but it was it was pretty close to the corner, so I don't yeah. know. Maybe yeah, maybe he had a little flashback or something. I don't know, but um, yeah, because you know, for for him and minutes wise, I mean, you know, you want to you want to be able to contribute, and and it's going to be hard to give him a ton of minutes. He may end up being kind of like that odd man out as far as because if you have if you got Broom, you've got Keith Williams, you've got Jaron, are all kind of in that, and then even Rashawn Fredericks to an extent in that like two, three ish, three and a half, whatever spot wing, just basically wing, I guess it'd be. Yeah. So yeah, if he's not hitting shots, you know, he's providing pretty good defense, but I don't know that he gets. He's not that disruptive defensively. I mean, he's good at moving his feet. He's not getting like a ton of steals or anything, and um. So yeah, I mean it's just it, it it's definitely a concern, but again, it's I mean he barely he he didn't play a ton of minutes last year. He played some and um you know, he he did show the ability last year to make some shots. I mean, he had a couple games where he had three threes in a game. He had one where he had four and multiple games where he had two. So, you know, you don't want to overreact yet. I mean, shoot, he could tomorrow night he could go 4 for 5. I mean, the, the way that, you know, that team wants to play a little more up tempo and he can get some looks and stuff, but yeah, definitely a concern. So, so the concern is real. With that, um, Justin Jennifer producing points, we're not sure, leaning towards not real. Keith Williams, better fit, leaning towards real. The three-point defense concern is real. And then Trayvon's jump shot um, providing the spacing is real. So that is the end of the uh, the exercise, Chad. I appreciate you uh, humoring me with that. I, I mean, I think that was, um, that was a, a good exercise because I think it was a lot of valuable stuff. Uh, you mentioned, and, and, and you, he wasn't one of your topics, but let's talk about Logan Johnson a little. Yeah, I'd love to do that. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's good. He's good. Yeah. I mean, he you know he just comes right out in his first college game against you know Ohio State and just pins a guy on the glass and uses his his defense to to start a run and makes a just a, a dope pass to, to Nasir Brooks. We don't, we don't need to talk about what the end result of that was, but uh, he got into the paint and found him. And um, we saw stuff in the scrimmages. We saw stuff in the exhibition game. And then we saw even more stuff against NC Central. And it's just a lot of the stuff we expected to see. And, you know, I don't think his, I don't think his outside shots that bad looking. 
that's the thing. Like that's why I feel like there's some hope there for that. It's got arc. It's got backspin. He seems like he's on balance when he shoots it. I know he hasn't made any threes yet. He's only taken a couple, but I feel like there's definitely potential that down the road he could be almost like where Jason Kidd late in his career figured out how to hit those threes, and and especially if you're you know you're going to be open every time. But yeah, I mean overall, man, the athleticism is 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 a ton of fun, and I love just his competitive spirit. That's just you can never have too much of that on a ball team. The kid is not afraid of anything. That's what I love. Like he doesn't back down from anything, and the moment doesn't seem too big for him. Um, you know, when they put him in in that Ohio State game in the second half, and he sparked the defense almost immediately, got a steal, caused a uh, an offensive foul. Um, I just I like his spirit. I like his energy. I think, you know, the 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 future is very bright, and we've seen a couple of those. Drives to the basket. We saw it against Ohio State, and we saw it like three times against NC Central. Um, boy, he, he's explosive getting to the rim. I, I was giving him a hard time today. Uh, that one in the first half where he laid it up on the other side, like kind of you know went across the lane and laid yeah. it up with his right hand. You, you got you got to dunk that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he could jump out of the gym. You got to bang that. I, I don't. What well, the thing was, everybody stopped. When he made that move and got into the middle of the lane, everybody stopped and just watched him. It was like, bro, you, you got to go up and poke that. Like, I know you're being you're being cautious and you know <laughs> you're you're settling into your college career and you're trying not to get in mixed doghouse, but go up and bang that one, boy. <laughs> you know what I love though is that every time he has the ball on the perimeter, he he his first dribble is generally forward. He'll he's he's like, can I get through or not? I'm going to I'm going to at least see if I can. Yeah. And against the zone defense, man, how long have Bearcat fans been waiting for a player that just wants to knife through stuff instead of just like, oh, uh, I'm just going to pass it to the side and then back to the side and all that. <laughs> well, how about to when, have a guy? Yeah. How about ahead. when he gets the ball, gets a, a pass that like an outlet pass? Yeah. There's no walking up the court. Yeah. <laughs> He's at that he, opponent's three-point line and looking to see if something might be there in quick fashion. And that's another thing that people have been asking for for a long time. I, I think that's a big reason why so many people are already, you know, real big on Logan Johnson. It's, salivating. Yeah, yeah, because he has that He has that push. He has that that extra, you know, let's, get, let's beat the defense down the floor and see if I can make something happen. And he has the speed and explosiveness to do it. The one in the second half, that little Euro step uh, mm-hmm. to, to lay up on the left side, I mean, that's, that's a freshman. That's a big-time natural ability move. Like, that's one of those moves you don't you don't get in the gym and work on and, and, like, perfect or, like, you don't add that to your repertoire. You either can do that or you can't. And right. as we have seen, he can yeah, and I, it's just looking at the team, especially with the way that the lineups were configured on Tuesday, and he seems to be a guy that you put in that second unit, to, to use an NBA term, and you know to, to bring that kind of intensity and then potential explosiveness on offense. And just, it, I mean, just think about 
for the team in general, like obviously scoring is going to be at a premium all season, but if you're going to be able to put in a lineup where for five to seven minutes each half, you got a kid like him who's going to push the issue and, and, and ratchet up the intensity. And, you know, you may end up getting some buckets that you, you wouldn't normally get if he wasn't one of the people in that unit. So that's, uh, you know, I think just incrementally he's going to be a, a factor in that regard, but yeah, he's just, He's a ton of fun. And then so you put him with Kane Broom is what is what Cronin opted to do on Tuesday. And there's been a lot of uh, fodder and a lot of uh, questioning about what's going on with Kane. He had that first game where he goes one for 10. And um, as Mick mentioned, he went 28 minutes without a deflection, which I think is going to draw a lot more ire than the one for 10. So, um, you know, I don't. It's super early, and it's unfortunate that he has, you know, the first game he just didn't play well, and then and then they went with the Keith thing, and they just couldn't get Keith off the floor. So Kane really was never able to get in any kind of rhythm at all on Tuesday. Um, how concerned are you about that whole dynamic? Um, a little bit, you know, because he's a senior, and, and you want to see him, one, have a good senior year, and two, you know, be able to, to really provide a spark for this team. I think he's still going to be able to do that long term. But we talked about this earlier today. Like what you said is absolutely like when were you going to take Keith Williams out on Tuesday? Like he he was playing at a level that you kept him on the floor. You ride the hot hand. And, and, you know, and everybody, well, why didn't Kane play? Well, you know what would have happened? If they'd have taken Keith out more, everybody would have thrown a fit because – Keith had the hot hand and they didn't let him play. So you can't have it both ways on that. And this is something we're going to need to monitor throughout November, how this dynamic plays out of Keith starting and Kane coming off the bench. Maybe Kane is best suited as a, as an energy guy off the bench. And we saw him with the ability to do that last year. We assumed that that would translate to him moving into the starting lineup this year. But maybe him and Logan Johnson as the, the, the second unit in the backcourt off the bench gives them a change of speed, gives them a change of pace. Um, so it's going to be interesting to monitor. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in panic mode about Kane yet, but nah. he struggled in the Notre Dame scrimmage. He had that one four- or five-minute stretch in the exhibition game where he got it rolling. And then he struggled in both of the games of the regular season. You know, he's in a funk. I think that's pretty clear. He's got to he's got to get in the gym and, and figure out his way out of it. Uh, yeah. And I, I I have confidence that he can do that. It's just you hate when that happens to a guy, especially a senior, at the start of his senior year, because you expect throughout the season there's ebb and flow, there's ups and downs. Have a good stretch, have a bad stretch. It just ma- it's magnified when it's your first two games of the season, and right. he you know he's in a bad spot there right now. Yeah, and and then there's always the the possibility that um, you know you know you never know about Jennifer and depending on if he's up and down and, and if Kane can take you know maybe Kane gets some of his minutes and then you can play Kane and Keith together a little bit with with Jaron and then you still have that that you know that length that you need out of out of Williams and. And um, I think I think Kane needs to just figure out what his role is as yeah. a scorer on the team. He, you know, I mean, he's going to have to. He's definitely going to have to increase his his um, his activity on defense. I don't think. I mean, 
every player has to do that. It's not just him, uh, you know, on every UC team of all time. So, you know, I think the, the zero deflection 28 minute thing was, was alarming for Mick. And, um, you know, when that happens, he's going to tell the player about it and he's going to say, you better do something about it. And so that's, that's number one. And, um, and then on, on offense, if, if you look back to what he did at Sacred Heart, he was a great catch and shoot three point shooter. And um, he did make one of those against Ohio State. He had another one pop in and out. And um, he's pretty good in the pick and roll as well. So it, it just it, it's he has to find where he's going to fit into the offense. And that's just part of, of everyone getting new roles. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, worry too much about it overall. And I think that uh, mentally for him, uh, you know, that's always a you know, you never know for any player how they're going to handle a demotion or getting challenged by the coach. But um, what I would say to that is if you look at this team, the chemistry, um, the leadership on the team, Trayvon, J- uh, Justin and, and Jaron, all these guys, like, you know, they're, they're a close knit group. And I'm sure that some of the other players on the team, have probably talked with him and, and, you know, just told him not to stick with it. This is just, this happens sometimes. They, I mean, every player on the team has been through this. Um, at least the veterans have been with, with, with the coach and just, you know, things that he demands out of a player. And so, yeah, it's been two games. He hasn't done – everyone expected him to come out and score 15, 17 points and potentially even lead the team in scoring. And, um, again, just adjusting to where he needs to be and where he can get his shots and where he, you know, where he fits into the whole scheme, it's going to take time, just like a ton of things are going to take time with this team. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a work in progress. All of it, every last bit of it is a work in progress this year. So, um, before we go, we want to remind people 513shirts.com. That's where you can find the Bearcat journal line of gear, go to partners. And when you, when you click on partners, it'll drop down. You'll see Bearcat journal. We've got the red helm shirts. We've got the Bearcat journal logo, uh, t-shirts and hoodies. Uh, we got hoodies and t-shirts for, Red Helms, we've got hats, we've got beanie hats, sock hats, winter hats, uh, we got patches, we've got stickers, all kinds of good stuff at 513 Shirts. If you spend over $55, you get free shipping, and uh, they've got a lot of good stuff. Don't just shop the uh, the Bearcat Journal gear. Get the Bearcat Journal gear, but while you're there, look around. they got a lot of other good stuff at 513 Shirts, and uh, make sure you check that out. Like I said... Click on uh, the, the the Bearcats uh, Bearcat Journal drop down, and that'll take you to our spot. Always a special thanks to the guys at five one three shirts dot com. Uh, you got anything else? Yeah, I got two more things. Okay, so we got about ten minutes. First one would be you know there was a there was a, a fellow signed his uh, his Let, oh, yeah. tent yeah uh, for for next season. He's a four star guard out of Xenia, and his name is Samari Curtis. And I believe you would have a lot more to say about him than I would. So. Uh, Give everyone a scouting report on Mr. Curtis. Uh, big physical guard. He's 6'4". Um, will probably play up around that 200, 205-pound range when he's at Cincinnati. Um, he can really score and uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, solid shooter. Um, can really get to the rim. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, He's, he's kind of in that combo guard role um, probably early in his career as a secondary ball handler. Uh, although next year Logan Johnson will be the point guard. They're going to need a, a backup point guard, uh, and that looks to be Samari uh, at this point in time. 
So um, he, he's going to give him a pop, a scoring pop uh, from the wing, and, and you're going to need that. Jaron Cumberland will be going into his senior year. Um, Keith Williams, you hope, comes on. You need that third guy that can really get you some buckets, and, and Samari is going to be that guy. He's going to be a good physical defender. Uh, I talked to him after the Ohio State game. Very excited. I uh, was really looking forward to yesterday and, and signing his letter of intent and making it official that he was going to be a Bearcat. Um, I, I know he is uh, – he's got – it'll be – you know, he's going to – when when every other year when we go over to Norwood, um, he's going to take a lot of heat. <laughs> See, he was, he was originally committed to Xavier, decommitted from Xavier, and, and committed to Cincinnati – um, I like the kid a lot. I think he's going to be a good fit. I think he's, he, he fits the type of wing, combo guard, wing type that Mick has had success with, right about the right size, you know, that, that 6'3", 6'4", solid build, right in that, uh, that, that mold of, of what Mick has really had success with. And, um, I mean, he's averaged like 30 points a game. Uh, at the high school level and, you know, was, was on all state lists and all district, all region, all that stuff. So um, definitely a, a big plus for the 2019 class. And uh, we'll see if he's the only one that they add this fall. There's uh, another one in Myron Gardner that, uh, that, that he has his LOI. Will he sign it and commit to Cincinnati by the end of the signing period? Uh, we'll find out that that is a big unknown at this point. They are very good <laughs> at keeping things close to the vest in the Myron Gardner camp. And who's Myron Gardner? He is a six, six wing from Detroit. He is playing at Spire Academy outside of Cleveland. Uh, if you've heard that name Spire Academy, yes, that is where Leangelo ball now goes to school. So oh, okay. The circus is in town. They've also got a, <laughs> They've also got a seven foot seven kid on that team. Oh wow! So that's a, that's a ticket you got to get. If yeah, if you live in that area, then. <laughs> um, so uh, that's the other possibility. Um, the, he would again, you know, kind of a bigger wing, six six, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds, uh, good shooter, another tough physical, you know, Mick Cronin type kid. Uh, could probably play the four if you need him to, but. He's more of a, a guard that could move down than he is a, a uh, an undersized four that would kind of be out of position at the three. So, okay. What else you got? Well, uh, come on, we got to talk about Mr. Gary Clark. Oh we yeah, got a couple minutes here. Oh yeah. yeah. So before before the regular season or when he when they decided that they pretty much said he was going to be on the roster, the Rockets, and we were talking about you know, okay. I think that they're going to need him. I was looking at their roster, and then you see the first game where they just get blasted by New Orleans and the defense the first few games, and I'm, I'm like, come on. I mean, look at who else is on this team, Gerald Green and Carmelo. I mean, they're going to have to play Gary. And then it turned out that, yes, they had to play Gary. And then what happened? Their defense went from, like, worst in the league to top five over the course of, like, a five- or six-game stretch, and now they're back to six and seven. And then you have this whole stuff with – Carmelo Anthony and they're just going to jettison him from the whole operation now and all these people saying yeah why do they need him they have Gary Clark and it's just it's a phenomenal thing I've already twice 
uh, gone on to the NBA League Pass app and bought single games for six ninety nine and watched the entire <laughs> game. And you can my wife my wife's in there just you know she she's into it though she she knows the type of person he is and just like everybody he's the type of kid that and now young man that that you know you just have to root for and the thing that's interesting is um, and you're seeing a little bit on the social media but uh, Cincinnati kind of has an NBA team now to follow it's been a long time that you could say, well, hey, you know, because obviously the Royals are a long time ago, but like, I mean, how can you not be a Rockets fan now if Gary's in the rotation? And um, it's just been fun to see all the stuff he does and hitting threes and blocking shots and all kinds of stuff and ripping by LaMarcus Aldridge and throwing down a two-hand jam. And um, uh, it'd be interesting tonight to see. I know he's got a little hip issue, but they're playing Golden State. So does he end up getting switched on Kevin Durant? And, you know, what happens? That was fun. I I, I asked a question on Twitter the other day. I don't know if you saw it or not. Did we maybe possibly, I don't know, underrate Gary Clark? (laughs) Um, You did it. I know you're not including me. You did it. (laughs) I was like, who's we? uh... What I mean by that is I, I think it's very difficult for most to grasp how much of an impact he had across the board, not just scoring, not just rebounding, blocking shots in every possible way that, that you can impact a, a basketball game. Gary Clark did it. And Mike D'Antoni now is, is 100% on board saying the exact same thing. Everything yeah, we asked Gary, yeah, it only took three weeks. I'm sure that was one second day at camp. He's looking at his GM going, you got me a new toy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like this, this, this is one of these things is not like the others. And uh, it, it's been, it's been really fun to watch. Uh, yeah. And unfolded. it's cool to see, and it's cool to see, you know, like Chris Paul and, you know, he's like, yeah. Kind of, kind of little, little, and PJ Tucker are kind of like, they realize like they've got, you know, something that's going to, a, a player that they can, they can incorporate into what they're trying to do and he's important. And, well, and um, he listens like that's, yeah, that's, another that's what thing. Mick always said. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing with Gary is it, he's one of those guys and it's, it's very rare in sports these days. He's one of those guys. You tell him what to do. He takes it to heart and does it. Yeah. They, I was watching the other night where there was a play where I think, um, he fouled somebody and, um, he was standing on his spot in the lane. He was talking to the coach on the bench. He was talking to Chris Paul he was trying to figure out what he should have done, and um, that's a perfect example. And um, if you've been following me on Twitter, you—I mean, I'm sure you, you are pretty you much are, 99% of my tweets. Yeah, you—you <laughs> you, you yeah. should just change your Twitter handle to Gary Clark fan. Yeah, well, like, like the, Gary Clark fan account. Right. The play, the play where he, where he uh, against Oklahoma City, where he switched from Dennis Schroeder to Stephen Adams. They threw a lob to Stephen Adams. And he knocked it off of Adams and out of bounds was like, I mean, you, you talk about what NBA people are looking for. Like a guy like if you follow Zach Lowe with ESPN, he's he watches every little thing. And I'm surprised he hasn't. I'm waiting for him to mention something about Clark in one of his podcasts. He hasn't yet, but I'm sure he saw that. Yeah. And that's just stuff that is like it's invaluable, especially right now in the NBA with the way teams are scoring. I mean. Defense is at a is at a premium. If you can if you can defend, especially multiple positions, like you will find a spot. And I wonder if that could be something that 
helps in recruiting even more so than normal. It's like Mick can say, hey, listen, you obviously can score. You have NBA potential. But listen, if you can do what Gary Clark did and be able to be that versatile defensively, like you will be on an NBA roster. There'll be no question. And I wonder if maybe that allows him to talk to some higher caliber of players that maybe understand things a little deeper. I'm not sure. Maybe, but Gary Clark's a one of one. He is, but it's still something that you can use as a selling point. I'm just saying. And there it is. He's in the NBA because of what he learned. Like you, you saw him. And when Larry Davis first saw him, he said, you need to play harder. And they kept saying, you need to play harder. And then he got to Cincinnati. He wasn't a great defender. They had to play zone. He worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And now the reason why he's in the NBA. And like Mick told me, it's not because he can hit a three and he hasn't been hitting that many. Um, It's because he can defend and rebound. And there he is. He's, he's going to play against Kevin Durant tonight. Living the dream. Living the dream. Mm-hmm. And, and we're living it through him. Berg, Berg is living vicariously through him as well. Yeah. And I, and I, last thing I'll say is remember when I, I, when I was down there with you at that tournament in Georgia, the um, Under Armour finals. Yeah. And um, I was talking to Mick. I think this was after Gary's sophomore year. I, I think it was, maybe it was after his, I can't remember which year it was after, either freshman or sophomore. But I was like, I was like, Gary, NBA? He's like, eh, I hope so, because he's the nicest guy in the world. And I was like, come on, like he can do everything. And he's like, yeah, I know, I don't, we'll see. And, um, yeah, there, but I think he, he just – there was a lot more he had to do. And then you heard him last year, Mick, after the UCLA game, unprompted, say, Gary Clark's an NBA player. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what position he's supposed to play. He is an NBA player. And he was right. And so were you. And so of course. were you. All right, man, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for a uh, wonderful show, and uh, you did a great job bringing the uh, topics to the table today. I commend your your research and your uh, preparation on this year well, yeah. BCJ podcast. I pre- yeah, I had some time. I got my tires changed yesterday. I had like an hour and a half. I was like, eh, let me let me do a little stuff for the podcast. So here we go. <laughs> All right, man. That wraps it up. Appreciate it, Berg. We will talk to you soon. I'm not Thanksgiving next week. I don't know that we'll do. We'll definitely have a football pod. We might take a week off from basketball uh, and then jump back in early the week after Thanksgiving uh, with the basketball podcast. Um, yeah, let's just check in after the tournament in Niceville. And we'll obviously going to know a whole lot more after that, which is yeah. what, Friday, Saturday after Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, Friday, Saturday after Thanksgiving. And then very shortly after that, things get serious real quick. Um, mm-hmm. So we will uh, we will reconvene and discuss those things uh, here in about 10 days. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.